just want to say hi to all the mothers in the house. And when I mean mothers, I believe even if you don't have children, you also are a mother spiritually. I wholeheartedly believe that. I believe that you can be almost more of a mother spiritually than you can be flesh and blood. It's true. And God um, gives you daughters and sons. I believe the church is in great need of daughters or of fathers and mothers for daughters and sons, grandma and grandpas. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but we just, my wife and I just was blessed with having our first grandchildren. And uh, our oldest now, Judah, just loves his papa. I'm the favorite. That is true. He just says my name a lot. That sounds like jealousy to me. That's really what it sounds. It's coming across as jealousy. <laughs> we just love grandkids. But listen, seriously, people are in need of, you know, the Bible says, where are the fathers and the mothers? And I believe that's important. And this morning, we just want to focus on moms. So we say hi to all the moms in the house. Come on, hi to all the moms. So if you were a mother that was blessed with children, um, I just want to welcome you this morning by playing you these two little audio clips, if you would, please. You're going to enjoy this. This is just for you. No, I told you to take that book. You don't have to tell me. What do you have to do? I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you. I Okay, you can pause it. Any, any mother after have to deal with that. Okay, play the next one. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Okay, you can pause that. Now, this is the cool thing about it. When you have kids, you get to the point where you realize sometimes you don't know whether they're fighting or having fun. The sound is pretty much the same, right, until there's blood, okay? So <laughs> that's the reality of it. But this morning, I want to do something a little different. You know, once in a while, I do a little different things in preaching, and, and for Christmas, I did this and a few other times. I'm going to start off by telling you a story that I wrote about what it's like to be a mother in the morning. So even today, listen, today is called Mother's Day. The title of the slide, if you put that up there, it's called A Mother's Day. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. So I'm going to start off by reading the story that I wrote for you guys, for you all, all your mothers. We're going to have some pictures to go along with it. Uh, if you want to hit the lights for this first little clip, real, real, real small clip. So here it goes. Just women, enjoy this. Men, learn. Come on, women. Elbow. Okay. The alarm clock startles you to a semi-awakened state, your eyes half open. You think, are you kidding me already? This is how your day starts right here. Does anybody have an alarm clock that sounds like that? It's nightmarish to me, right? So that's how your day starts. You stare looking up at the ceiling going, are you kidding me? You see, it wasn't too many hours ago that you were up comforting your youngest who had just thrown up all over her covers. Dead tired, exhausted, yet trying to show compassion, you change your child's clothes and change their bedding. 
As you kiss them goodnight, you simultaneously think of the added laundry that you'll face in the morning, and if you should take a bucket in them in case it happens again. Your body convinces you to just go back to bed. You finally make it back into the bedroom just in time to see your husband stir himself and ask, is everything okay? Is there anything I can do? You think of a couple coarse responses before finally saying, no, honey, it's fine. I took care of it. He then gives you the look of, hey, since we're up, do you want to? You give him the look, hey, do you want to lose a limb? He calmly rolls over, goes back to sleep. You calmly roll over and try to go back to sleep. So here you are, three hours later, staring at the ceiling, motivating yourself to get up. Your husband cheerfully sits up and glances at you and says, how did you sleep? I slept like a bear. Again, the coarse responses start flowing through your mind before you simply say, I slept okay. Hey, honey, I just want to let you know our daughter's sick. I think she might have the flu. Your husband responds, responds, oh, that's awful. How do you know she has the flu? Oh, if your husband could read minds. But again, you simply smile. By the time he slipped, by this time he slipped into the shower and the rest of the kids of the kids are up watching TV in their jammies. You quickly switch gears and think, what do I make them for breakfast? You go through the list mentally. The oldest one loves eggs but hates toast. The young, or, or the two middle ones love toast but hate eggs. The youngest one hates everything but chocolate. Come on. The youngest. Oh, yeah, the youngest. Wonder how she's doing. You go out to the living room to check, and you see all the kids sitting there watching a program sharing last night's popcorn out of the same bowl. Right? Including Little Miss Projectile Vomiter. Okay, you think, great, oh, one down, three more to go. About that time, your little girl says, Mommy, my stomach still feels yucky. The oldest looks at her and says coarsely, What's wrong with you again? She boldly and proudly says, I threw up last night. He looks at her hand in the popcorn and starts to feel queasy himself. Mom, I think I'm starting to feel sick. She rolls her eyes, the mom rolls her eyes, ignores him, and turns around to head back into the kitchen and begin the process that is in every home, which is, what can I get my kids to eat this morning before they leave for school? Okay? You start with the eggs, then the toast. You get out some fruit and begin to make them plates. One by one, you call them to the table, and one by one, they each look at you and tell you what's wrong with their plate. The first one is brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so has more than they have. The second one tells you that they can't possibly eat what's on their plate because of some extraordinary circumstance that will literally endanger their life. You literally have to fight the feeling of simultaneously force-feeding them versus the huge impulse to just let them starve. Come on, mamas. Again, you realize why cereal is so important. Why it's so popular. By this time, your husband comes into the kitchen and scoops up the last of the eggs and slices of toast and sits down. He begins to tell you how he's going to be late tonight because he has a meeting and to remember to take their son 
to practice at four, not five, because he has pictures. As he stuffs the last of the eggs and the toast in his mouth, he looks at you and says, honey, did you eat yet? (laughs) Again, choice words begin to occupy your thoughts, but you simply respond, no, babe, I'll find something. Don't you worry. You glance at the clock, then at your kids' plates, and you realize nothing has changed in the last 10 minutes other than your kids sliding further and further down into their seats in disgust over the food you just prepared. Again, feelings of putting the eggs and the toast in the blender and making them a breakfast smoothie goes through your head. But you decide against it. You finally concede and say, just one more bite, and then you can go into your rooms and get dressed. You see, the bus is coming in less than 15 minutes now, and you're starting to feel slightly panicked. The oldest comes out first wearing what you would call rummage clothes, right? Rummage sale clothes. The two middle kids are wearing the same clothes they wore the last three days. And, of course, the youngest is now dressed like a princess, okay? For a moment, you're about to challenge their choice of clothes, but then realize there's a bigger issue at hand. You haven't begun to make their lunches. You run to the kitchen and you find your husband has already started the process. He turns to you and gives you a big smile, looking for words of thanks and praise. You mutter a half-hearted thanks and help him finish the lunches and throw them into their lunch pails. One, two, three, you got them all covered. You glance at the clock and see there is now less than five minutes to go until the bus arrives. Does anybody, mom, is any mom here this morning tracking with me? You know what I'm feeling, okay, ready? You yell for your kids at this point to get their shoes on. Such a simple task of sliding a foot into a round hole and then trying to get them to tie those little things called strings. Such an easy chore that seems to take hours to accomplish. It's like slow torture. You think for a moment that you'll just have them wear their shoes to bed that night, but then realize it's just going to add more laundry to your list. So in an instant, you as a mother, here it goes, morph into a coach a principal, and a cheerleader all at once. Ready? You can do it. Come on, get those shoes on. Hurry up. The bus is coming. That's it. There you go. A little more. Wrap it around that way. No, wrap it around the other way. No, what are you doing? No, that's not what I'm telling you. Put your shoes on now. I swear to everything that is holy. If you don't put your foot in that shoe, I will. About that time, your husband walks into the room and looks at you like you're crazy. (laughs) Come on. Come on. And he slowly but surely puts on each shoe on the kid's foot. You again look at the clock and realize it's time. You send, or you send, or you line them up, give them each their backpack and their lunch, and kiss them and tell them that you love them as they skip out the door. Your husband kisses you and says he loves you as he walks out, too, reminding you one more time about his meeting tonight. You nod, say you love him back, and turn and look at the disaster that is now called your house. Okay? You immediately decide to tackle the foul-smelling bedspread from last night's festivities. Okay? As you gather all the items up and head to the washer, you notice your son's uniform lying in a neat pile right where you left it last night. The same uniform he will need for pictures right after school today. You briefly say to yourself, well, too bad. 
if you put that picture up of the team, you say, well, too bad. He's just going to have to be without a uniform, <laughs> right? But then guilt sets in, and you realize you will need to stop and drop it off. A twinge of shame hits you. Come on, moms. Here it is. As you realize this will now be the 11th time you've had to drop something off at school because you forgot. They must think I'm the worst mother in the world. Before that thought ends, you realize you better get around yourself. Your day is starting very, very soon. The washer's running. You're done taking a shower. You look in the mirror and decide how far you're going to go and trying to cover up your tiredness when you hear little Miss Projectile Vomiter saying, Mommy, I think I'm going to get sick again. All righty? In an instant, in your underwear... You sprint to the living room just in time to capture the, the next bout of sickness into a bucket. After cleaning her up again, you realize you never called a babysitter. Again, thoughts of terrible parenting fills your mind. After four no's and two maybes, you get a yes from a local homeschooler. She shows up at the door and cheerfully greets you. After apologizing repeatedly, you give her some uh, instructions and quickly head out the door yourself. Very little makeup. Hair disheveled, clothes mismatch, no breakfast, no lunch, and oh crap, no deodorant. On your way to work, you say a few prayers over your family and your friends before your mind races to what you will face today in your job. And that is just the beginning of a Mother's Day. Can you give your mom some? Come on, that is the truth. Now, jokingly saying a lot of that, how many mothers would say that's partially true? You can hit the lights on if you guys want. Would you say it's true? Come on. That whole thing of trying to organize the whole, I, I know um, in every parent's home, I think this is probably true, getting shoes on your kids, right? Who said it's ridiculous? It's ridiculous, right? I, I, your kids find creative ways not to put shoes on or to put them on ways. You know, you know what I mean? Back in the day, they taught you, you slide them on and you time in less than two seconds. Now it's like this production, right? And so it's like, for the love of everything holy, put your shoes on. How hard is it to put that foot through that hole? But it's a big production, right? And so you go through this whole, whole process of getting your family together and then you step out the door and you're supposed to live life in some sense of normalcy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen? So this is a day that we're here to celebrate mothers. And I felt like it was no better way to celebrate or at least to start celebrating mothers by, let's be real. Let's be real about what you face. You guys handle a ton of items. You, take, you, you handle a ton of things physically, emotionally, and spiritually in the home and we just want to thank you and honor you because it is pretty awesome what you're able to do. Um, men couldn't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that men couldn't even birth. They'd probably give up, right? They have those simulators now where they put it on a man's stomach to simulate what it's like. Nah, we couldn't do it. We'd give up. We would give up. But we want to encourage you today. We want to honor you today. We want to, even men, we might even do a few of their chores today. Wow. We want to honor the mothers today by maybe doing some of their chores. Whew. 
I, I'm, I'm not going to say it again because there might be some real bitterness happening in this place. Now, I want you to turn. I'm going to read one verse, and I'm going to expand on it, then I'm going to let you go because I want you to spend time with your moms. But after all that joking around, I want to get a little serious this morning. If you would turn to Luke chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Luke chapter 1, Luke, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read one verse. This is the, this is the uh, story about um, Mary and then her cousin, about them being pregnant with Jesus and John, and about her going to visit her cousin, and uh, just sharing that experience together for a few months. But I just want to focus on one verse that I think is very, very important that many times we skip over. Luke chapter 1, verse 45. This is what it says. I'm going to read it a couple times. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I'm going to say it one more time. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I want to begin by making this statement. Ephesians chapter 5, we're not going to turn there, makes it pretty clear, uh, and I know this is not very popular in today's feministic society, but makes it pretty clear that men are supposed to be the spiritual head of the home. Okay? The problem is because men overall have not taken on that responsibility, women have had to take on that role and it's gotten all messed up, right? But if we were to do it scripturally and do it the right way, it says in Ephesians 5 that men are supposed to be the spiritual leads in their home. And all that means really is, let me explain it to you. What it means is man is supposed to take the lead in encouraging the rest of the family. Catch this. The man is supposed to encourage the rest of the family when it comes to seeking God and his desires. So the man takes the lead. The man encourages the family. The man encourages the growth of the family. But... And I believe this wholeheartedly. The spiritual climate is set by the female. The spiritual climate is set by the... Now, I'm going to say it again. Men are the spiritual heads, are supposed to be the spiritual heads. But the spiritual climate or the thermostat is controlled by the female. I want you to think that for a moment. Ready? Now, you're going to say, this is Mother's Day. We're supposed to be lifting up mothers. I'm going to in a second. But I want to tell you, if you're leaving it all to your husband to be the spiritual lead, or you're leaving it all to your husband, your spouse, to do all the things spiritual, you're missing the point. Why? Because I believe the family will never grow to the place it needs to be without you being the spiritual climate setter in your home. Now, I'm going to say a couple things, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more. Now, I recognize there's dysfunction in marriage. A lot of single-parent homes, I was raised in a single-parent home. I understand that. And women have to take on the role as lead and all these other things. But in a perfect setting, in a marriage that is ordained of the Lord and put together, the husband is the spiritual lead, basically creates the, starts creating uh, the motion, the progress of growing, but the woman creates the atmosphere. And what I mean by that is if a man comes home and all he hears is complaining... Come on. 
the, the, the woman sets the spiritual. Now, I know sometimes it's hard when men are, are just uh, pains in our butts. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? I know it's hard when men are not taking the lead. I know it's hard when men aren't seeking the Lord. I know it's hard when you feel like you're carrying that mantle. But I want to tell you, it goes a long way in how your children grow up, how the, the marriage goes, and literally how the whole family goes in its spiritual growth by how the women sets the climate of the house. It's so important you get that. Maybe it's a lot of pressure. Maybe it's unfair. But I want to tell you right now, come on, it's the truth. It is, come on, I want to propose a couple things to you. Catch this. Is it possible that the dreams and visions given to the family can only form, listen, in the womb of a woman? Have you ever thought why, catch this, have you ever thought why would God create the first man out of dust and then decide to create this thing called woman and everything would come through her womb? See, we get so used to things and the way processes happen that we just think, oh, it's just norm and calm. You know, that's the way it happens. God could have done it any other way. He could have caused man to come out of trees. No, I'm being serious. He could have done it. He could have said, okay, now I want you to build up some dust here, and I just want you to speak to it, and that's going to become a man. He could have had us do that. He could have had us do all kinds of crazy things. But he chose for the woman to have the cavity that holds. Now, the man sows, right, the seed... But the woman receives that seed and something miraculous happens in her womb. I was, I was reading about this because it blew me away that in, 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 the, in the womb, the, when the seed and the, and, the, and the egg begin to, they come together and they attach to the wall, that it grows everything necessary for that baby to survive. Everything begins to grow. And I thought to myself, can you imagine? Can you imagine Think about that for a moment. Can you imagine the creative process that God went through to put in a woman the ability to do that? So I want to say, I want to propose this to you again. Think about it again. God will give a vision or a dream to somebody. I'm talking spiritually. And I think without the woman being in her place, it's not going to happen. You hear these cute little sayings behind every godly man, there's a strong woman. You hear these cute sayings about behind every powerful man of God, there's a woman that's praying. Behind every person that comes to the Lord, listen, there's a grandma praying. Do you ever hear that? I believe they're incubators for dreams and visions. I mean, I hate to, I hate to put down the man, and I'm not trying to do that because I'm one myself, but the reality is all we do is offer the seed. And that seed combined with what's inside of a woman grows into this thing called a baby that's when it's birthed, after she carries it for a while, it's birthed, then it grows into its fullness. Is it possible, now I'm putting pressure on women this morning, I want you to get this, come on. Is it possible the dreams and visions given to man form in the womb of the wife or their children's dreams and visions? Is that a lot of responsibility? You bet. Come on. Is it possible that in a woman contains the necessary elements to see them grow? Now, we've heard this. If you've been in church circles for any period of time, you heard this thing called she's pregnant 
with the vision, or she's pregnant with something that God has given her. And, it's a, and, and I know it's a cute saying, but I think there's tr- a serious truth to that. I think that women contain a certain element that dreams and visions cannot take place apart from them. I believe that's why God has a man and a woman to be married. Come on. Because I believe that God will give man a vision. God will give uh, uh, children a vision. God will give the family a vision. But without that woman's ability to let it grow, to nurture, it will not happen. It will not happen. I believe it is possible that without her involvement, the dreamer vision will never achieve its reality. Heavy, right? Now, I'm going to give you something that's so basic from Scripture. You're going to laugh at me, but I believe it's, it perfectly illustrates what I'm trying to say. Abraham was outside, and he was meet with God, and God spoke this incredible word to him. You know what the word was? It was a covenant. It was a promise that you're going to be the father of many nations. How many know If his wife was not involved, that never would have come to pass. You're like, obviously. Just as God could have done it miraculously any other way, he could have, because he did it at the beginning. He chose that process to create this vision that he had that Abraham would be the father of many nations. So what happens? He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. But guess what happens? His wife is what? Barren. She can't have children. The interesting thing to me, he says, listen, you're going to be the father of many nations, but it's physically impossible for it to take place. Until Sarah was fertile, that seed lied, lay dormant. You catch what I'm saying? It was not until she was, until her womb was opened up, till she was able to be able to bear a child, was she able to produce that thing, that promise. So not until her son came along is, was it even possible for that vision to be fulfilled. I want to tell you right now, somebody catch this. God has spoken promises and given us visions to many, many families, to many, many marriages, to many, many children. But I want to tell you right now, without the woman... Oh, come on, somebody feeling this? Without the woman taking it on, nurturing it, seeing it grow, it's never going to come to pass. I hate to tell you, men, we can't do it on our own. Now, think about this for a moment. The more I study this, the more I realize the devil is pretty clever. And I don't want to give him too much due, but he's pretty clever. When he's gone in and messed up the family like he's messing up the family today, he knew what he was doing. When he took man out of the picture, when he caused man not to be in the picture in families and caused him to go stray and do this or broke up the family structure, I'm telling you, when he cre- he's recreating what the family dynamic's supposed to look like, come on, somebody, when he started doing it, he knew what he was doing. He was smashing and killing visions and dreams. He was, you know, yeah, he was trying to do his best, saying, listen, if I can bust up this family, not only is it the seed of morality, but now it's the seed of dreams and visions. It's where things are birthed. 
I just find it incredibly, it's so basic and so obvious, but I find it incredibly prophetic that when he gave Abraham that dream of being a father of many nations, it only could come through his wife. Come on, somebody. It only was going to take place if his wife's womb was fertile, was open. Wonder why God loves seeing husbands and wives mad at each other. Amen. Sing it with me now. Hey. Come on, it's the truth. He loves when couples are not on the same page because he knows it destroys vision. It destroys dreams. Now, I'm not talking about your normal little fight where like, oh, I don't like you. I don't like you either. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the year after year after year when you stop being intimate, when you can barely look at each other in the face and you're just coexisting, cohabitating. I think we need to understand the importance that the woman plays in the nurturing, the growth, and the birthing of visions and dreams. Most of us older people, gray hair now, know without a good woman behind you, you ain't doing nothing. Come on, all the men in the house said amen. Right? Isn't that the truth? I mean, you can ask, when I was a young man, you asked how many times, honey, I'd come home to you and say, the Lord spoke to me this, 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 and this, and this, and this. God spoke to me this, 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 and this, and this. And she's just sitting there, taking them in. The scripture says this, that all these people came to Joseph and Mary and spoke all these great things about their son. What did the husband do? Not a whole lot. What did the woman do? She cherished them. She placed them inside of her. Come on. Women, I set you free this morning to realize that you're more than just somebody that supports your husband, somebody that just takes care of the kids, somebody that uh, just tries to organize. I'm telling you, without you, nothing can take place that God wants to take place. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It's vitally important. When a man speaks his dream to his wife, immediately it's in the heart of a woman to sit there and think, how? what, immediately, I'm telling you, it begins to grow in her, and she becomes, if I could say it this way, it's going to sound really strange, the roots of the tree, the roots of the tree. The vision of God for Abraham was impossible without Sarah becoming fertile, and I believe it's still true today. And before you freak out, women, I'm not talking about you physically getting pregnant, so chill. But I want to end with this, and I'm speaking to every man in this place. 
for some reason, and I'm going to be completely honest, and this is not, I'm not exalting myself because I've got my issues, you know that. But for some reason, I've always felt like an outsider when it comes to this region. You know, I've just never been into the hunting thing. Just, you know, I never could dress in camouflage. My butt just didn't look good in it, you know. Just, just, that was funny. Chill out, people. Jeepers. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I tried to paint my, red, my neck red. It didn't work. And, and, I, and I've noticed that this is, you know, this is tough man country. Men don't show emotions, and I'm an emotional guy. And so right away I'm like, you know, these guys are just like, nothing hurts me. I'm gonna, it's the truth. I, it's what I've noticed. And I've been here since I've been three years old, and it's, I've always felt like an outcast. Like a, I'm from Florida still. Be careful. But I've noticed this, and I've also noticed something else. Men in this area are very hard on their women. They don't treasure them like they should. They don't value them. Like, and some of you guys are like, oh, my God, who do you think you are? I'm your pastor. I'm allowed to speak what I feel. So get over yourself. I'm telling you what I sense. And because, and some of you women don't sit there and start, you know, elbowing your men and saying, listen to them. It's about time. You do that, and I'm going to call you out and make you sing. Okay, here we go. But I've gotten this thing. I've, I've sensed this thing where men seem, they don't know how to be the spiritual lead in their home. They don't know how to be the head. Or quite frankly, they just abandon the family altogether. And so you got all this dysfunctional family sitting around, and, and you wonder why the visions and dreams of God aren't taking place. You wonder why things aren't growing the way they should be growing or this dysfunction growing instead of health. And I began to realize as I looked around, I said, quite frankly, can I be completely honest with you? The reason why we're not seeing more of the spiritual things of God in this region, quite frankly, is because the women are scared to death. And I'm not just talking about abuse. I'm talking about a disappointment, a failure, fear, fear of believing in something, fear of some kind of vision, fear of dreaming. How about this fear of hope? Because they haven't been covered properly. They haven't been nourished properly. They haven't been loved properly. Come on, am I speaking to anybody this morning? And I'm talking to the men this morning. Listen, the best way to see your woman become all that she's supposed to be in God is to be a covering. The best way to see your children become all they're supposed to be in God is to be a covering, to be the spiritual lead, to let her dream. <sighs> to protect her from disappointment. To sometimes carry the things she can't carry. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? I know she's the root system. I know that she's the support. I know that she's the one that'll cheer you on. And, and one moment she'll be the cheerleader. The next moment she'll be your lover. The next moment she'll be the one that tells you no, no, no. But I want to tell you, there's times and there's seasons where you need to let her sprout and grow. You need to let her come into her own. You need to give her room. Because of pain, mistreatment, because of fear, many women's wombs are barren. I'm talking spiritually here, people. They're afraid to conceive. They're afraid to dream. They're afraid to have vision. I'm going to speak something that I think is the most powerful part of my message this morning, and I'm closing with this. A devil, the devil knows that if he can get a woman to quit dreaming, he has killed the potential of the family. 
the devil knows if he can get the woman to quit dreaming, he has killed the potential of the family. But can I declare something this morning? This is a new day. I'm going to speak something to some of you because you need to hear this. I believe it's one of the reasons why this church is here. One of many, but one of the reasons we're here is to restore dreams and visions in people's lives. Oh, so I know. Listen, I can feel it in the room. Some of you women are sitting here going, I wish my husband was. I'm struggling because I know what you're saying is true, but what do I do? Can I tell you something? You've come to the right place. You've got a bunch of busted, broken people to surround you to knows right what you're going through that can stand with you and start believing with you for your husband to be dramatically changed. We're talking about mothers today. Come on. Father's Day will whoop on the women. Yeah, that's next month. Today is all about the women. I mean, I just, I can, I can literally sense it and feel it in my heart. You know, I might have not done a whole lot of good things, and I could give you a list of some things that I've done pretty poorly in my life. Believe me, I shared a lot with you guys. You know, I've gone through all kinds of crazy things from depression, anxiety, you name it. But one thing I did, and I think I've done really well, and I intentionally did it, was I tried to be a godly husband to that woman, and I spoke over her continuously for several years how she was a godly woman. And I want to tell you something. She came out of an abusive situation when I first met her, and she, she won't mind me saying this. But I knew right away, guess what my job was? Not just to be a husband, not just to be a lover, but to cover her and lift her up and encourage her and be the lead. And honey, honestly, did I do that? And as things went on, I realized I needed her probably more than she needed me. I realized that I was going nowhere spiritually without her. And so I want to challenge you men. I want to challenge you men to become the spiritual lead that God wants you to become. What does that mean? I'm telling you, I can't give it to you. All I can tell you is you need to start seeking the Lord. Sometimes these messages, I think sometimes people feel like when I preach them, they're like, oh, man, it makes me feel so bad. Listen, get over yourself. Quit feeling bad. Today's a new day. Start again. If you've been a terrible lead, lead now. If you feel like you haven't been a good mother, be a good mother now. You're a mother forever. Till you leave this earth, you're a mother. Get rid of regret, shame, guilt, all those things that are in the past that we can't change, and today make a decision to be who God wants you to be. And this is going to be a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
Women, and all the men help me, forgive us for not being good coverings. Daughters, forgive us for not being good daddies all the time. Women, forgive us. Darla, forgive us. This is personal. I know it's personal. I know it's hard to hear. I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, this, this is a Mother's Day message? Yeah, this is a great Mother's Day message because inside of you, woman, is everything that we need to see this region transformed. You hold the keys. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Ryan, you could preach this message, couldn't you? We've done some dumb stuff, haven't we, husbands, fathers? God Almighty, thank you for your mercy, Jesus, and forgiveness, yeah. If you, if you ever want to feel good about yourself, listen to Ryan and Nikki's testimony. Early on, not now, Early, the first five years. <laughs> and this isn't guilt on anybody. This is not guilt on anybody. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us for not being who God has called us to be as husbands, as, as, as people that cover you and nurture you and allow you to blossom, become who God wants you to be. Forgive us. Because I believe in you and every woman, and every woman is the potential for greatness, to birth greatness, to birth vision. I mean, listen, think, come on, people, use your heads. Is there no reason why the enemy is so coming against marriage today and trying to redefine it? Because he knows if he can make, redefine it, it can't birth. It's nothing to do with same sex, this and same. Get over it, gay, whatever. I'm talking about what the DNA of what God created in man and woman that's supposed to take place. A Abraham, you're to be a father. You're to be the father of many nations. But guess what? It's got to come through your wife. Well, it can't come through my wife because she's, come on, she's barren. So they try to do it some other way. That worked out great. We're still dealing with the consequences in the Middle East. Am I right, Dustin. Tim, we're still dealing with the same issue. No, this is my plan. It's going to come through that woman. The vision's going to come through that woman. And guess what? The most inopportune time when she's 90 years old, God opens her womb and she has a, a son. And guess what? We are here today. And he is our father. So I declare it this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, won't you stand with me? Thank you so much for this encouraging word. Absolutely, anytime. Come back next week. You'll get it again. Oh, Pat's my best fan. She, I think she's a bigger fan of me now than you, Dustin. Just want you to know. Until you preach again, then she'll be out there shouting for you. 
Can we hit the lights? I just want to get serious with the Lord for a second. I just want you to put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Would you mind doing that? Yeah, you can hold their hand if you really like them. All the single people in the house, if there's someone good looking next to you that you want to date, I'm kidding, joking. Just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm, I'm saying this with all seriousness. If you're connected, if you're hands-on or holding, there's a woman next to you. Nothing is impossible through that woman. But I, can I be honest with you? Fear needs to be dealt with first. Disappointment needs to be dealt with first. Hurt needs to be dealt with first. Abuse needs to be dealt with first. A lack of a husband that is leading needs to be dealt with first. And so we pray that right now, and I want everybody to do it. We release and break off of every woman in this place. I don't care how old they are. Pain, abuse, neglect, fear, failure. Oh, come on. Guilt, shame, woulda, coulda, shouldas. We break it off in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare that this is a new day. We declare this is a new hour. We declare this is a day, Father. We declare that in their womb, they'll begin to dream again. They'll begin to have vision again. They will begin to believe for the impossible again. Come on, keep praying with me. Keep your eyes closed, just heads bowed. And I, I'm, listen, I'm not scaring you. We're not talking physical pregnancy. But I'm declaring that the wombs in this place become fertile again. I don't care how old you are here this morning. Some of you have not seen what God has spoken to you. You've never experienced it, and you've just kind of pushed it aside and said, well, it's just not going to happen because of circumstances. I speak to that seed now to attach to the uterus, to attach now, and begin to speak life and growth to that vision, to that dream that seemingly has been lost. Bible says that his word goes out and does not return void, but accomplishes all that he wants it to accomplish. And so we bless, and I want you to do this. If you're, you got a hand, your hands on the shoulder of a woman, I want you to do this. We bless every woman in this place because they're carriers of vision and dreams. We bless. Every, we, we bless them, and we break off of them disappointment right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Because quite frankly, this church can't go where it needs to go. You can't go where it needs to go. Your family can't go where it needs to go without their wombs becoming fertile. So we speak healing right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, do it. Just declare healing in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm declaring it right now. I'm, come on, I'm declaring it right now. I'm declaring it. I'm releasing it in this place right now in the name of Jesus. I'm releasing sons and daughters to come forth. 
dreams and visions to come forth. And that these women would be the carriers of it. And I say it one last time, forgive us women for not being who God has called us to be so you could be who God has called you to be. I'm going to say it one more time. Men, hear it. Forgive us, ladies, for not being who God has called us to be so you can be who God has called you to be. Forgive us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Bless them, love them, give them a hug. Go ahead, hug somebody. I dare you to hug them. Dare you to hug them again. On your way out, ladies, make sure you grab a flower. Um, Lighthouse wants to bless all the moms. And if you're not a mom, just any lady with a flower on the way out. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. Love on them. Love on your mamas. If your mama's no longer with you, love on some mama. Love you guys. God bless you.